My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 137, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 1 Kings 13, 2 Chronicles 12 and 13, and Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 13. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel, as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar, 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 this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart, and the ashes on it will be poured out. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him. But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart, and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God, by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man, Intercede with the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord, and the king's hand was restored, and became as it was before. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me for a meal, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, Even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, You must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel, whose son came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked them, Which way did he go? And his sons showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. And when they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and rode it after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that you may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back and saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his body was left lying on the road. 
with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed by saw the body lying there, with the lion standing beside the body, and they went and reported it in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him, as the word of the Lord had warned him. The prophet said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me, and they did so. Then he went out and found the body lying on the road, with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back to his own city to mourn for him and bury him. Then he laid the body in his own tomb, and they mourned over him and said, Alas, my brother. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the message he declared by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. Even after this, Jeroboam did not change his evil ways, but once more appointed priests for the high places from all sorts of people. Anyone who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. This was the sin of the house of Jeroboam that led to its downfall and to its destruction from the face of the earth. Second Chronicles 12 After Rehoboam's position as king was established and he had become strong, he and all Israel with him abandoned the law of the Lord because they had been unfaithful to the Lord. Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam with 1,200 chariots and 60,000 horsemen and the innumerable troops of Libyans, Sukites, and Cushites that came with him from Egypt. He captured the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then the prophet Shammai came to Rehoboam and to the leaders of Judah who had assembled in Jerusalem for fear of Shishak. And he said to them, this is what the Lord says, you have abandoned me. Therefore, I now abandon you to Shishak. The leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is just. When the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, this word of the Lord came to Shammai. Since they have humbled themselves, I will not destroy them, but will soon give them deliverance. My wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem through Shishak. They will, however, become subject to him so that they may learn the difference between serving me and serving the kings of other lands. When Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything, including the gold shields Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned them to the commanders of the guards on duty at the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards went with him, bearing the shields, and afterward they returned them to the guardroom. Because Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger turned from him, and he was not totally destroyed. Indeed, there was some good in Judah. King Rehoboam established himself firmly in Jerusalem and continued as king. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city of the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel in which to put his name. His mother's name was Namah. She was an Ammonite. He did evil because he had not set his heart on seeking the Lord. As for the events of Rehoboam's reign, from the beginning to end, are they not written in the records of Shema, the prophet, and of Edu, the seer that deal with genealogies? There was continual warfare between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David, and Abijah, his son, succeeded him as king. 
In the 18th year of the reign of Jeroboam, Abijah became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother's name was Makkah, a daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. There was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah went into battle with an army of 400,000 able fighting men, and Jeroboam drew up a battle line against him with 800,000 able troops. Abijah stood at Mount Zemariam in the hill country of Ephraim and said, Jeroboam and all Israel, listen to me. Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, son of Nebat, an official of Solomon, son of David, rebelled against his master. Some worthless scoundrels gathered around him and opposed Rehoboam, son of Solomon, when he was young and indecisive and not strong enough to resist them. And now you plan to resist the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hands of David's descendants? You are indeed a vast army and have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made to be your gods. But didn't you drive out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and make priests of your own as the people of other lands do? Whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may become a priest of what are not gods. As for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. The priests who serve the Lord are sons of Aaron, and the Levites assist them. Every morning and evening they present burnt offerings and fragrance incense to the Lord. They set out the bread on the ceremonially clean table and light the lamps on the gold lampstand every evening. We are observing the requirements of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. God is with us. He is our leader. His priests with their trumpets will sound the battle cry against you. People of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your ancestors, for you will not succeed. Now Jeroboam had sent troops around to the rear so that while he was in front of Judah, the ambush was behind them. Judah turned and saw that they were being attacked at both front and rear. Then they cried out to the Lord, the priests blew their trumpets, and the men of Judah raised the battle cry. At the sound of their battle cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The Israelites fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hands. Abijah and his troops inflicted heavy losses on them, so that there were 500,000 casualties among Israel's able men. The Israelites were subdued on that occasion, and the people of Judah were victorious because they relied on the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took from him the towns of Bethel, Jeshanah, and Ephron with their surrounding villages. Jeroboam did not regain power during the time of Abijah, and the Lord struck him down and he died. But Abijah grew in strength. He married 14 wives and had 22 sons and 16 daughters. The other events of Abijah's reign, what he did and what he said, are written in the annotations of the prophet Edu. Song of Songs, Chapter 2 I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall 
gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rain's over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks, and the shadows flee. Turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. So this story is about faith and obedience to God over success and over others' statements like it's okay to deviate. And we also read chapter two of Song of Solomon, also known as Song of Songs. And it has some seemingly awkward moments, and it's a romantic scenario. Dr. Mackey describes this as a story with many stories or a conversation between two lovers. And Father Mike Schmidt saw something about our relationship with God in this part of the story. The line where the beloveds belong to one another reminds him and can remind us about how God loves us first, and that it's not just about his desire for us, but our desire for him. We also read that Rehoboam, leader of the southern kingdom, was unfaithful to God. The result? God gave them over to exile. The separation from God they were already practicing. The southern kingdom was defeated. Yet, as Father Mike Schmitz reminded us, the prophet reminded Rehoboam of the Lord and what the story is all about. In this case, they repented and God agreed not to destroy them. Remember the part where it says they acknowledged the Lord is just. But there were still consequences. Their fortune was taken by the king of Egypt. Those gold shields, remember those that King Solomon had made? Father Mike Schmitz describes how within five years, all the wealth of King David and Solomon that they'd amassed was lost. A kingdom of gold turns to a kingdom of bronze. He describes it as a reminder of the importance of faith over success. Like we learned from Solomon, the importance of obedience over alliance or growth for its own sake or for just more. A new king, a relatively good one, rises up, Rehoboam's son, Abijah. He seems to be faithful to God. Faithfulness may lead to success, but it is held with a loose hand, like a steward caring for a gift or an agent with representative leadership or still further a brand ambassador representing a name. The problem is in the taking of success at the cost of obedience and faithfulness or creating an alliance or a new God for the sake of more power, control, a substitute, when the cost is obedience and faithfulness to our creator. This is important in in terms of clarity and relationship emerging in the story about if, when, and how we are called to innovate or make and how this is all done through the lens and filter, the boundaries of obedience and faithfulness. The red flag seems to be in the take and the wrong focus. Then there was the story about the unnamed man of God that goes from the southern, from Judah, to the northern kingdom with a warning. And while being invited by the northern king to eat and have favor, the man says God told him no and to go home. In fact, to go home a different way. But then a prophet from Bethel tells him a lie that God says he can and the unnamed man does and gets killed by a lion. 
Then the prophet from Bethel, somewhat acknowledging, I think, maybe his wrongdoing, buries the man in his own grave. Father Mike Schmitz describes how this story reflects the larger story that when we know what God wants us to do, we just do that. We do not question or deviate when others, even if they are respected people like a prophet in this case, make it sound okay. Father Mike Schmitz points to Galatians 1 verse 8 in the New Testament. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. May we all learn God's story well, remember it, and remain faithful to it, inviting others into His story. That is the prayer of my heart. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.